Hey y'all, so before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, this decision has obviously stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion, and while Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans, especially black and brown folks and those with intersecting marginalized identities. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. If you or someone you know needs support with accessing abortion care or if you want to get more involved, here are five ways you can learn more and take action. One, explore educational resources from trusted abortion and reproductive justice organizers on the ground to learn more about what an abortion is and is not and about what support is truly needed at this moment. Two, find and support your local abortion fund by using the interactive map created by the National Network of Abortion Funds. Their website is abortionfunds.org. Three, explore becoming an abortion clinic escort or an abortion doula. If you have any questions about that, in addition to what we have linked on our website, you can email me directly at americasatbettertospeak.org. I am trained to be an abortion doula among full spectrum work as a whole, so if you have any questions, I can definitely connect you with resources that I have. Four, expand your perspectives about abortion and open yourself up to challenging conversations to shift the stigma. And five, finally, for folks in need of abortion care or for those who want to equip themselves with information just in case, check out online resources including ineedana.org, plancpills.org, among others listed on our website. Be sure to read the full list of these actions for more information and for the direct links in the show notes, and I encourage you to continue to learn more, take action, and spread the word. And when we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it is better to speak, remembering we were never meant to survive. Welcome to Better to Speak, the podcast where we use storytelling to transform silence into language and action. I'm your host, Casey Felton. This season, we'll be exploring socio-political issues affecting Black communities through the lens of young Black storytellers and changemakers. This is the state of the young Black advocate. In June, we celebrated Black history and culture, specifically in honor of Black Music Month, Caribbean Heritage Month, as well as Pride Month. We want to continue this conversation as we head into July by highlighting now media which is disrupting the media industry with its new app, Bridge. Bridge connects creative professionals in the media industry to new connections and opportunities through collective empowerment and by democratizing pathways to success for marginalized creatives. The app is now available to download on the iOS App Store. You can just set up an account and it's super similar to a dating app where you just set up your profile and swipe to match with a mentor or mentee depending on what you're looking for. Keep listening to hear from the co-founders of Now Media, Clark and Naomi, and to learn about their goals to bring community back into networking and mentorship as we traditionally know it. This is Clark and Naomi's story. Hello everyone, my name is Clark Williams and I am a recent graduate from Howard University where I got my BA in political science. Um, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland and that is a huge part of 
the reason I do the work that I do and believe in the things that I believe in, in terms of um, the radical approach to closing the network gap, mentorship, the way that I think about community, care, and creativity. Um, and I think the other thing would just be that my upbringing at Howard um, also really inspired the work. I always tell the story about how when I was a freshman, I didn't have to leave my dorm for anything because there was somebody who could do my eyebrows, my lashes, my nails. Um, and like, it's kind of funny when you think about it, but we really were blessed to live in an ecosystem like that. And I'm inspired by the possibility of creating that for more people. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. And um, yeah, shout out to Baltimore. <laughs> Uh, so I actually grew up about 20 minutes from Baltimore in Ellicott City, Maryland. Um, all my family is from North Carolina, though, so I feel like I spent a good amount of time in both places um, and was really influenced by a lot of the women in my family and many of the roles that they took, um, you know, in, in being the head of a household, but also holding it down work-wise and and really teaching what it means to be both nurturing, but also like just a force to be reckoned with. And I always knew that I was really interested in media and representation work just from being younger and feeling like I didn't see a lot of darker skinned women portrayed positively throughout media. Like there was always a stigma, always a stereotype. Um, and I think it took a long time to really deconstruct uh, the ways that that kind of influenced how I saw myself. And so my senior year of high school, I actually did a documentary that was focused on black women in today's society at the time, 2015. And I interviewed women from the ages of 12 to 75 plus. And it was my first time really feeling like, okay, this is the type of work that I'm supposed to be doing in regards to storytelling. And it would influence my major. Like I knew I wanted to major in black studies before I even got to school. I went to Duke in North Carolina um, and in many ways found myself consistently being drawn more and more into the work. And I had the pleasure of meeting Clark in 2019 and, and kind of sharing the story of both of our backgrounds and seeing all the different ways that they were, they were coming to this one point of what is the ways that we continue to think about representation on a global scale um, and on a scale that represents different groups of marginalized folks. And a lot of that, again, connects to my own upbringing and this idea of if you see problems in the world, you know, you can take it on yourself to try and fix them, um, no matter how big or small. And then what started, uh, what inspired y'all to um, launch Now Media and then uh, specifically the Bridge app? Yeah, so Clark, I'll take the first half of the story if you want to do the transition to Bridge and, and Techstars and all that. Um, but in 2019, uh, I was, or 2018 really, I, I was a junior in college and I made the decision to do two semester programs that Duke had in New York and Los Angeles. So in the fall of that year, I was in New York. In the spring, I was in LA. I wasn't on campus at all that year. And Duke is not an art school. And so I kind of took this as my opportunity to really get more invested in media excuse me, because I didn't feel like they were providing outlets for me to do that on campus. And so in New York, I interned at three different places, uh, Live Nation Entertainment, a place called Horizon Media, and I did freelance videography for Radio One. 
and um, really found myself consistently being in these spaces where there weren't a lot of people who looked like me, especially not making executive decisions. And I had some really great mentors, predominantly white women, uh, that kind of were just like, if you're really interested in representation, let me connect you to the head of you know, DEI in each of these places. And more and more, I was just kind of like, this is an issue. Like, I wish that there was a way to make it easier to kind of diversify these pipelines. I ended up kind of talking to my classmates who were in all different facets of media, whether that be, you know, textiles or theater, and they were all seeing the same issues. And that's kind of when the seed was planted of what would become now media and now bridge. But at the time, I felt like it was too big of a, of a task for me to do by myself. Yeah, so when we start to think about the transition from uh, now media to bridge, it's exciting and also not as glamorous as you may think. Um, so the product went through a lot of iterations. We started kind of with this idea that we would be um, a jobs marketplace for underrepresented creatives. We launched that MVP and it did not go well. And part of the reason it did not go well is because after doing a bunch of user interviews and digging into our community, we realized that people needed more than just job postings. There is a pathway that exists for creative professionals and you're obligated to kind of do different things at different parts of that pathway um, in order to get some of those softer skills, more foundational uh, resources and knowledge and all of that good stuff, um, that comes before the job postings. So we're like, okay, how can we find ourselves closer to that intersection um, so that we can get in early with more of a community-focused approach? Um, we ended up thinking about a consulting model because we all kind of had backgrounds in work that would allow us to perform um, consulting well. And essentially someone told us that no one would invest in that. So when we fell to uh, the Techstars door, um, it was, Interesting because it wasn't the first time we had had conversations with tech stars and that kind of put us in a certain headspace going into those conversations with tech stars music that we weren't going to um, compromise in our mission and we weren't going to waste any time. So I'm always really glad that we took that approach. I think it may be one of the reasons that we were able to get things moving so quickly there. Um, but essentially, we attempted to pitch this consulting idea to Techstars Music. They let us know that wasn't going to work, but that they believed in us. And if we would do the work, which was basically a 24-hour turnaround deck um, with a completely new product idea, then they would be willing to give us a shot. Um, so that's exactly what we did. We spent 24 hours to come up with Bridge, which is a mentorship matching app that helps to transform wheels of networking and opportunity for underrepresented creatives. That's what helped us to come up with Bridge. Um, and again, even it's even funny how we started figuring out like Bridge, we're just asking our friends and like, what do you guys need? What do you guys want? And um, yeah, they gave us answers of a lifetime. So we are very excited to launch in June.
And then what is, um, I know we had talked about this before, Clark, but could both of you talk um, talk about the, the framework on networking and mentorship that informed the app? Yeah, of course. Um, so I froze again, but part of what I was going to say was that uh, when I got to Los Angeles, I noticed that the problem was even bigger. I ended up working at BET where I thought I was going to like see the shift and see more representation and like that just was not the case and that was very jarring and so when I met Clark at LinkedIn that's kind of how we officially got started but I think for us the idea really came from our first ever accelerator program we did so we did an incubator program with Target and something that we really loved with them was the mentorship that they gave us like their mentorship was pretty well structured. Um, it was always with people that they really felt could actually help us. And they actually would come to us before of like, we think you should meet with this person. Are you interested in meeting with them? Here are our reasons why we think they could be helpful for you. And I think that was helpful because it was the first time someone was really intentional about connecting us with people. And I think for both of us before mentorship was something that happened really organically through the jobs that we had. I think we're both pretty natural at networking, but that's not the case for everyone, you know, especially not people who often occupy marginalized communities. So after the target program is when we made the decision to really switch towards a framework of mentorship. And we used to do these manual three-month programs where we would pair X amount of mentees with X amount of mentors from all different facets of the media industry. They were tasked with coming up with three goals they wanted to complete by the end of the program so that it could be a really focused uh, mentorship mentee journey. And then from there, we would do work on the back end to try and help as much as possible and helping them complete these goals in areas that their mentors couldn't. And so we kind of got to a point where we're like, we're helping very small batches of people still making a difference but not as many people as we wanted to and that's when we started to think about how tech could kind of fit into that framework and so that's kind of what led to the idea of the actual application and the hardest part we noticed in the work that we were doing manually was the actual matching like matching people based on demographic interests matching people based on specific industry expertise and so we were like what does it look like to give the mentor and the mentee, put the onus on them to make those decisions themselves. But we can provide at least the educational resources and the how-tos of how to make the relationship work. So that's kind of the frameworks that we use to begin the process um, with Clark, if there's anything else you wanted to add. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is a framework that I think about all the time. It's one of my favorite aspects of what we're building. And the way I would boil it down is into this like four letter acronym um, that our framework on mentorship is built on CRAY. So C would be community. Then we have R, reciprocity. Then we have A, authenticity. And then we have Y, which is just you. The reason that we think about community um, is exactly because of what Naomi was just saying. There's this idea that everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something that can be platformed to help other people. Um, and we are excited about the prospect of flipping mentorship on its head a little bit because so far we've leaned very heavily into this power imbalance that comes from, oh, I have X amount of years of experience. That means I automatically take the power in this relationship. We are suggesting that there's a ton of power on both sides and you actually get more out of the relationship 
when you delve into the idea that the person on the mentee or the person you're reaching back to, see how the language can be a little um, invalidating. Um, so those are some of the things that we're thinking about in terms of community. Then with reciprocity, we make sure that we completely make it clear, here's what I can offer and here's what I can receive. There's a lot of reciprocity in our the mentorship relationship that we're attempting to build because we know that our communi creative community is so talented and they don't have to just come in and be ready to ask questions. I, they need to be getting some questions too. So how can we figure out how to make sure that that's happening? Um, in terms of authenticity, we realize that even in our own personal experiences, we are our greatest asset. Like when we're authentic with each other, we become more accessible to each other. And if I could add another A, like behind that A, I would do two A's <laughs> and it would be authenticity and accessibility. But I think this idea that being able to genuinely show up as yourself, not having to necessarily worry about all the politics that surround mentorship, but making it more human centered, that is very important to us. And we're suggesting that again, you get more out of it when you come into it, seeing the other person just as a human being. Um, and then it's built on you. What you put in it, you get out of it. So we are a supporter of that more traditional thought. Of course, we think about it a little differently. We don't think you should have to chase a million people down and do a whole, jump through a whole bunch of hoops to get questions answered. It's just, that's not what democratization of that looks like. Um, so we're just suggesting that you can get it a little quicker, a little more genuine, um, and in a way that will help you to help somebody else. So yeah, that's how we're thinking about it currently. Mm -hmm. And then you made a lot of great points about um, the the power dynamics that exist within like mentorship and networking and things like that, um, especially like as exemplified through language. So can y'all touch a little bit more on maybe like what advice maybe would you say for um, people like around our age who are navigating, you know, those types of dynamics with their industry or otherwise? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I always hated it when people, when specific tech companies would be like, bring your authentic self to work because oftentimes we don't really mean that. And I think especially in this industry that really has been built on the backs of underrepresented creatives, it's just as important to like authentically be yourself, whatever that looks like, and do it in a way where you are unapologetic about who you are, I think is really important because you'll naturally attract the people that should be in your circles and the people that will help you get to where you need to be next. I think I've always been a very outspoken person and I've never let any any office or any executive that I came in touch with change that for me. Like I'm gonna say what I need to say. Um, and I think more times than not, that's gotten me in the rooms that I wanted to be in and connected with the people that I wanted to be in. And I think that we do our best to consistently do that in any room that we're in. We did it throughout the Techstars music program. We've done it throughout the other accelerators we've been in. Um, we've done it when we've entered executive rooms with some of these big companies. And I think it's helped us to kind of touch on what Clark said, that authenticity. Like we can't preach for other people to be authentic if we don't do it ourselves. And I think that we've been really good 
about cultivating language around that because we haven't strayed from that as one of our values. Like we have three solid values as a team and that's one of them. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of the main pieces of advice I would give is like, be authentically yourself when you are approaching these people. But I would say the second is to really do your research. Like you might not be good at networking and that's fine. You might not have a good resume or a portfolio. We can help with you on that. But I think really making sure what Clark said you put in the work is really important because let's say I get you into the room with the head of OVO Sound and you've done no research. It's very clear you've done no research, but you're asking for help. You have automatically started on the wrong foot because you haven't put in the work to make the relationship successful, right? And I think the language that we try to use in attracting people to the platform is really making sure they understand that mentorship works both ways, even as a mentor. Like, we expect you to do the same research, um, regardless of how busy you are. You can't expect to like actually connect with someone if you're not making sure that you have some type of background on them. Um, so I think those would be like the two main pieces that I would say. I think the biggest thing I would say is just that it's all in you. Like whatever you think you may need from an outside source or something that you're lacking, literally do a little work, look inside yourself and you will realize it's all in you. And I think that when I realized that, that was really um, empowering because I stopped letting people be like these huge judges of like where I was going to go and what my life was going to look like. I realized that really regardless of what anybody else has to say, if I'm on the same path as God, it's kind of just like, it's, it's undeniable which steps that I will take and those types of things. And whatever that looks like for you is something that I would super lean into because it can help you to navigate some of those conversations that Naomi was talking about. And how do you navigate partnerships and doing all of these things once you realize how much power you really have it's like unlocks a whole new level of comfortability uh, which is also really great and um yeah like just based on the people that i know would listen to this podcast i know you're fired so you got it and then can you all touch on maybe what has the um, the experience and the journey been just kind of navigating like entrepreneurship or the tech industry, the entertainment industry? Um, what has that been like for y'all? Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I really want to just say that plain and simple, because I think in some ways, a lot of the things we're trying to solve for with Bridge which would be like these networking opportunity gaps and access to resources and education, closed circles to share knowledge and network. Um, those are things that we actually experience in our real journey. So it's like, we know the challenges that our community is dealing with firsthand. And for that, I'm grateful because it helps me to always keep my perspective super humble, pure and informed but it also is just difficult because we're trying so hard to get what we think could be a groundbreaking solution out to the world. And like the obstacles that we face on a daily basis to do that are insurmountable. Um, yeah, it can be really disheartening actually, but it can also be motivating. So it's just about mindset and how you take it. Yeah. I think I would say like, 
we're always trying to find the balance between feedback that can be debilitating and feedback that reassures us that we're doing what we need to be doing. Um, I feel like we've had to learn so many things through trial and error. And that is because we have historically not been in positions where we were surrounded by successful entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs that look like us. And that has been consistent in both the tech environment, the VC environment, and the media environment. And so when you feel like you have all of these forces against you, it's really hard to persist through them. Like, I won't speak for Clark, but I think I doubt myself at least three to four times a week of like, are we doing the right things? Like, are we talking about the story in the right way? Like, is this going to be successful? You know, like, how are we going to get money X, Y, Z? Um, and something that you will hear quite often is the entrepreneurial journey is very lonely, but you also have to get very used to ambiguity. Like, I have always been the type of person that I'm type A, I like to be in control of everything. So to not be in control of what's next, to not be in control of financial security, all of these things is, it is very burdensome, right? Like I think at the end of the day, what keeps us going is our reason, our why, why we got started because we were experiencing these same issues. Our own friends and family who are like very invested in the work that we're doing and like consistently asking us, you know, what's next for Bridge? Like we saw y'all in this publication or we saw y'all post this, we really loved it. Like that type of stuff keeps us going. Um, but in all honesty, like the journey is really difficult. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't sugarcoat it. It's, it's not for everyone. And then I think with that, what would you say, um, maybe not what, what do people get wrong about, you know, seeing, I think sometimes like careers in entrepreneurship or tech or, and things like that are often glamorized. But like you mentioned, like people may not think about the reality of those careers and journeys. Um, so could you maybe speak to to that? Like, what do you think people might get wrong about it? Or what do you maybe suggest people keep in mind when they're thinking about, you know, pursuing certain careers? Yeah, um, I would say, I think sometimes when people come up with startup ideas, like they expect every idea to be coming to this like billion dollar company. And I think a lot of that has been influenced by this unicorn culture. So like, Unicorns essentially are these companies that had crazy evaluations above a billion dollars and have had, you know, crazy success. Like, you know, examples would be like an Uber or, you know, a WeWork, all of these different places that didn't necessarily like end up doing well. Like maybe they're doing better now, but they had very strong issues with their founders with you know early employee culture work culture things like that and so i think people get this false sense of what a startup is and i think for clark and i like we started this with the idea of like let's build something that helps people who look like us do this and once we've been able to do that like let's move on like we are not in a space at all where we're like this has to be a 10 billion dollar company because realistically, like that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself and that's really not healthy if this is the path that you go down. Like we would be happy if this was successful, it got acquired for someone, 
by someone and we cashed out at $10 million. Like that would make us happy because then we can move on to do other things that we're passionate about. And I think being really realistic about your expectations, if you decide to do a startup is really important. But I think too, like just from a career perspective, um, I know it's really hard to tell someone like, don't limit yourself, do what you want. Um, because I know even for us, we had plans in place when we quit our full-time jobs to do bridge full-time. Like that wasn't just something that we were like, oh, let's just try it and see what happens. Like there was money in the bank, like there was a plan, all of these things. And I think if you don't have the tenacity or, um, you know, just the, I don't know, I feel like I'm looking for the word, but essentially the tenacity to really like sit down and plan out what this journey looks like for you, then maybe like the entrepreneurial journey isn't for you because it takes a lot of durability on your own part in order to be successful in it. Um, but Clark, I don't know if you would say something else. Yeah, the one thing I would say, and this this is possibly something you would expect by one to double down on it, is that you're gonna get so many no's. So just prepare for that. Like I have never been told no so many times by so many different types of people for different things. Um, and you just have to like build this resiliency that becomes really important and in, in, in taking one punch and moving on. Um, they say like every day is the best day and the worst day for an entrepreneur. And those highs and lows can get overwhelming, but if you have it within yourself to kind of stay level, pour out your feelings on a piece of paper at the end of the night so you can reset and stay close to whatever spirituality you may have, you will be fine. Um, and that was pretty much all the questions I had. I think um, since this episode will be coming out probably around the time the app is launched, um, what can people expect, you know, from, you know, the launch itself or when the app is out and things like that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, when we first built the plans for the app, we had a lot of things that we wanted it to have when it first launched. And it was like, there was going to be a community space, there was going to be matching, we were going to have audio spaces, um, the chance for people to schedule an app, like we had all of these crazy plans. And Actually, a day before our demo day um, for the program that we were in through Techstars, excuse me, our developer actually quit. And it was like very jarring for us because you're like, okay, where do we go? We launch in like a month and a half. We don't even have anybody to build the tech anymore. And so thankfully, we got really scrappy in the ways that we always do. And we were able to find a great developer that we're working with now. But in doing so, we had to really scale down what our expectations were for the launch. And I think honestly for the better so that we could really focus in again on the mentorship versus all of these things we felt people needed without actually being informed when people started using the platform. So all of that to say in the scaled down version, what will come out on launch is a chance to match with folks through the swipe left, swipe left, swipe right technology. There will be guides on, you know, kind of how to start the conversation, one-liners that you can use once you start messaging matches, and then the community forum, which is kind of this place where you can get one-off questions answered, because sometimes people don't necessarily need a mentor to answer one specific question if it's something really basic of, like, music 101, like, I don't know 
you know, what type of things I should be putting in a portfolio if I'm trying to get X type of job. Um, and so we have these places for people <clears throat> to be able to connect with one another and get those questions answered quickly. And I think in a lot of ways, it's the idea of the matching, but also this resources education to help people get into these industries. So I think that's, that's what you can expect. Uh, Clark, anything that I missed? We're going up in Brooklyn for the launch. That's the only other thing. Um, but yeah, we're excited to celebrate the product and to, um, more importantly, to celebrate with our supporters and everyone that's been a part of this journey. Yeah, so far, I love that for you. I'm really excited to see the app come to life and I'm just, you know, love seeing the journey so far. So yeah, good luck to both of you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> And then um, final question, how can listeners continue to learn more about Bridge, stay connected with you all and um, the journey? Of course, uh, you can follow us on all of our socials at Bridge App, B-R-I-J-A-P-P, -P, all lowercase. Uh, you can visit our website, nowmedia.com, so N-A-L-media.com, again, all lowercase. And if you want to follow our personal socials, they're all linked on all of those different things. Um, but that's kind of where we post all of our updates, the good and the bad. Uh, I would specifically say to pay attention to our LinkedIn, actually. We post a lot of like reflections there. Um, but yeah, that's how I would say you can, you can keep up with us. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to stay connected with Clark, Naomi, Now Media, and the Bridge app, be sure to check out the show notes. You can find the direct link to download Bridge in the iOS app store in the show notes as well. Again, be sure to rate and review Better to Speak the Podcast on whatever listening platform you're using right now, and donate if you feel moved to to support and sustain the show. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Belton. Thank you for listening.